0: Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell
1: M. Nelson! Wee!
0: You say you want some
1: revelation, well here you go.
0: Greetings brothers and sisters, welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup where Carrie and V-Bays are going to ruminate on the Great and Spacious Beehive. It's episode 67 and this is July 9th, 2023. We've got Carrie shirts, he's going to co-host. LDS missionary stats are in the news. We're going to give you an analysis on that. And the deal has a Mormon problem. Let's point out what's going on there. LDS Charities uh, the Australia is in the top once again. And there's a massive class action lawsuit against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. You're not going to want to minute, miss a minute of what we have to bring you today. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at MormonNewsRoundup.org or you can send me an email to Colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. I'd like to bring onto the uh, show here the Backyard Professor, Kerry Shirts. How's it going?
1: It's going really good. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me on.
0: Hey, yeah, absolutely. Now uh, you're, uh, you run your own channel. You're known as the Backyard Professor. Who is the Backyard Professor?
1: Well, sometimes he is a backward professor. <laughs> I have been. <laughs> I have been called that. So. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I am a former Mormon apologist. I am one of the original founders. Oh boy, there's an old dumb picture, huh? Uh-huh. I am. I am one of the original founders of Fair, the Foundation Ooh. for Apologetic Information and Research, and uh, I was with them for a few years, quite a few years, and then we kind of had a. A falling out, and I went through a faith crisis because of the way they were acting, and because of what I was discovering. Because I gave it my golly gosh darn best effort to become the best apologist that I could possibly be, and that meant reading everything in every subject. And it was two items really: the Book of Abraham, that kind of, and and that was what I thought I was specializing in. And uh the biblical studies. When I got involved in the biblical studies uh comparing the biblical scholarship, utilizing the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic and the Assyrian and the Babylonian and the Akkadian and the Cuneiform and the Egyptian hieroglyphic, etc, it, it was like uh high school to kindergarten, and I, I was asking people, why aren't we writing these kind of Fabulous scholarship tomes, and they said, "Well, we we're we're going to do it for the brethren. I mean, we 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 emulate the brethren. We do what the brethren want us to." And that just didn't fly over with me. So anyway, I was an apologist for several years. I actually do have my own uh, channel that I still utilize, but not for apologetics necessarily. Uh, I produced over a thousand apologetic videos in my earlier time. As I had my falling out, I began playing chess, and I produce chess videos now. I'm no good at it, but it's a lot of fun to do. I enjoy it. My audience is rather small. I am virtually a nobody in the chess world, and yet I actually talked to a grandmaster. People were accusing me of being a... A liar and a fake because i was not a master or grandmaster and how dare i try to teach chess and the grandmaster said ignore him he said listen i have people who are friends of mine who aren't masters and they're some of the best chess teachers in the world and this grandmaster actually is in my Leiches backyard professor chess club they organized a chess club for me, which blows my mind. It hasn't been active for about the last year or so due to COVID and all, all kinds of other stuff. But we're getting back at it. But, so make a long story short. Um, former apologist. And now I, I went the atheist route. Um, look, the way Mormonism raises you, all the other churches are in apostasy. Uh, there isn't a chance in hell they have the right priesthood, etc. And so where will you go? Atheism, of course. So I went full-blown atheist for quite a few years, gathered all the books, uh, got about 79, 80 of them, whatever, read through them all, fascinating material. And then I realized, you know, that's not the end game either, and so how I view myself now is as I... I can honestly and comfortably say, well, there are things I just don't know. So I'm an agnostic and I'm seeking. So I'm an agnostic seeker. Uh, I do have an angry streak every now and then that comes out, but I was cajoled by Radio Free Mormon, my dear friend Radio Free Mormon, whom so many of you might know. To get on his show and interview me, uh, I dodged him for four years. When I finally acquiesced and said, "Okay, okay, I'll do an interview," and we had so much cotton picking fun that him and Bill Reel invited me on to start repodcasting under the Mormon Discussion Inc. umbrella. And so that's what I'm doing now. And so, and now I'm on the Mormon News Roundup. So.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've listened to quite a few of the Backyard Professor episodes. They're very, very Great. interesting. And I think one of my favorite episodes was with Gerardo, with the yes. a Book of Abraham. That was a very yeah. digestible and a very good episode. And, and um, yeah. you stream every Sunday night uh, at uh, what time? About six. Yeah. About six, or six o'clock. Six,
1: six o'clock uh, mountain time in the United States. So yeah. uh, and that, that, uh, that Book of Abraham video was extremely fun. Gerardo had the technological prowess to put together the uh, clips, which was very, very nice. There was another gentleman who goes by the name of Elder Igloo, and he is the one that put together so many of those wonderful slides. And when he saw my Book of Abraham elaboration under the Mormon discussion Uh, group of videos under my name, Uh, he reached out to me and he said, you know, now that you're going on the uh, Mormon Stories, uh, you can use any of these slides you want. So we utilized those slides also. Now, to understand, that was well over a year ago. And I am very appreciative of the graciousness that uh, John DeLynn, Mormon Stories, uh, held out to me and and Gerardo for helping me put that together. But I was such a... I I was still in the... (laughs) How do you put this? The apologetic mode, I suppose. So I was a little bit too shrill. And now that I've rewatched it, I'm thinking, you know, um, I I would like to redo that entire series. Brian Hauglid, one of the former uh, pristine LDS scholars, not only from farms, but at BYU in Arabic studies and Muslim studies and Book of Abraham studies. He is one of the editors of the Joseph Smith paper paper. volume four on the book of Abraham. Uh, and since he has retired, he has also uh, bailed, which is fascinating to me. I, I mean, wow, Brian Haglund. he contacted me. He said, Carrie for the life of me, I have never seen a better presentation on clarifying the relationship with the papyri and the Kirtland Egyptian papers and the book of Abraham and so on and so forth. And so he was very gracious to say that, but I am going to redo that entire series because in this last year, The apologists keep resurrecting that dead horse of the book of Abraham, and they've come out with a couple of new strategies that I find fascinating but fatally flawed. And they aren't letting us in on it. So I am going to the good news is I will be redoing that entire series soon. So but thank you. Thank you for that boat of confidence. Yeah, that was my favorite. That was my favorite bar none to put together. So
0: well, great. Well, it really showed. Yeah. It was a great it was a very, very great episode. And you know, I'm a bit of a chess fan myself, uh, Carrie, as uh, as we've come to find out. And we're gonna try first here on the Mormon news Ra- uh Mormon News Roundup here. We are going to try a uh live chess match here. Now this is we released this on podcast Whoa. form. It's not gonna it's not going to go so well on the podcast. I'm trying. To, I'm going to try to commentate on what we're doing. This is going to be a bullet match. It's only going to last two minutes. But I challenged uh, the Backyard Professor to a chess match here. It's boy. Yeah, it's time to establish Carrie the Mormon chess uh, hierarchy in the podcasting speech. Oh
1: my! You're going to whip my button on this bullet okay, chess. I have fine. never. I have never done bullet chess before. This will be my okay. very first. This All will right, be well, a blast
0: playing e4 right off the bat here. All right, oh, we have a we, we have go. a king's we have a king's opening, king's opening. We're going with the Gwe, uh they call this the Guico Piano. Here it's called the Quiet Game. All right, he's going with the two knights defense, very common opening there. Oh, oh drop e 7 drop the uh drop f7. Oh. Uh f7 is falling. f seven has fallen. Uh oh, going after the queen, going after the queen, going after the rook. Oh my we heck. Got a, we got a fork going. You're Not killing looking me. good here. Not looking good Not here. Not
1: looking good not good at all
0: okay we got another, have... fork, another fork with the king here
1: oh i can't go there can i
0: okay i got i got myself castled on my side here okay you got the pawn storms that are, you got the pawns that are going for the king here going for the quick kill uh let's see here i right, checked the king
1: i unchecked the king i shouldn't have done that that was a bad boo-boo on my part. Ay, ay, aye. Okay, hold on. Let's go here.
0: That's a good move. That was a good move. I don't know what I'm gonna play to that. That's a very good move. Good move.
1: Whatever. Stop buffaloing me.
0: No, grab excellent up, move. Excellent move. File. I'm running out uh you're running out of time, though. You only got twenty four seconds here. You gotta up right. the Oh, up oh the... you're
1: you're already oh, God, zooks.
0: Yeah, you've only got twenty four seconds. That was here. bad. I still can't develop my. Uh, I'm having a hard time developing my pieces here. Oop, dropping more, dropping material very fast.
1: Hmm. Gonna wreak havoc with the.
0: And get this pawn back. Oh man. Get this pawn back. Uh, dropping. Uh, let's say you just get, pick up a little bit more material oh, here. Oh man. Oh, oh, going for the cheapo here. I see.
1: Well, why not? Oh, what's going on?
0: Time time. Time, I'm time, I'm time, time, is running. Ah. Time is running down. Time is running down. Time out. Running down. Time out. You Can always flag them. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! It's victory. How did, how
1: did you have a minute still?
0: Oh, you get it. There's an increment. Every single move, you get a, you get a couple of seconds back on the clock. Every, well, every every I, oh it refreshes it refreshes your time. Okay, year. I'll tell
1: you what, my friend. That was a good game, by the way. Uh, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. I will. uh Let's get together behind the scenes. Let's practice some bullet chess together, and then we'll get back together online. And you come on my show or something, and we'll do a couple of these again. That's my uh, first bullet chess game ever. That's fun. That's okay.
0: interesting. I've right.
1: never done this, so <laughs> I got slaughtered, gentlemen and ladies. <laughs> Yeah, well, you played the two-knights
0: defense, and unfortunately when F7 fell, uh, the rest of the game basically folded with F7. Yeah,
1: yeah, that did, didn't it? That's okay. All right, fun times. Good sport. You're very good sport about it. Congratulations. Oh, this is fun. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, You do have our Mormon
0: News Roundup joke of the week here, Kerry, right? I
1: will get even with you, young man. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so this uh, University of Utah co-ed – is at the football game Uh at at BYU, goes into the bathroom to go to the bathroom, and the BYU guy is in the bathroom with him. And So he he does his thing at the urinal and then goes to walk out of the bathroom, and the BYU guy looks at him and goes, Hey! The Utah guy goes, What? The BYU guy goes, Here at BYU, they teach us to wash our hands after we go to the bathroom. Yeah. The guy from Utah says, well, at Utah State, they teach us not to pee on our hands.
0: <laughs> we seem to have migrated from BYU to Utah to Utah State. It's hard to have. Well, th-
1: yeah, yeah, Utah, whoever. But yeah. <laughs> well,
0: it's hard to have a Mormon joke that has all three schools in it, but you managed to accomplish it.
1: You never know what the BYP will accomplish, even though it's illogical, illegal and wrong.
0: Ah, Very nice. Very nice. That does take us to our first uh, news article of the week here. And our first article here was released on LatterdaySaintLife.com. It was just released a couple of days ago by Suzanne Bates and Jacob Hess of the Desert News in June 29th, 2023. And uh, you found this article for us, Kerry. What does this article say? What's happening with it?
1: Okay, now, what is so exciting about this article is that in 2019, 19 I do believe is that what it says uh President Nelson in a conference session really asked the youth let's step up let's try to get more missionaries Let's dedicate two years of our lives to the Lord and let's make a difference. And so the response, according to this article has been absolutely inspiringly overwhelming. The surge is incredible. They are even projecting by the end of this year, 2023, they are going to have over uh, 72,000 missionaries. Now the first, uh, idea in my mind was when was it a few years back before just before covid uh elder holland had i i'm going to say prophesied but that might get some mormons upset with me that's but a, uh, that, that's a stretch it is but he claimed that He was sure by the Holy Spirit that we were going to have 100,000 missionaries in just a couple more years. And that's been about five or six years ago. And I'm sure we've all heard that story. So now they're saying, hey, this surge, we're going to get up to 72,000. But we've never heard one word about missing that mark of 100,000 goals. So they are saying this surge is remarkable. And yet, when we look at the statistic which which I think you've got there on the i don't i don't have it on my screen you've got it yeah. on yours don't you yeah
0: i do have that. there's some additional statistics. There, there's a along resp-
1: with yeah yeah there's there's a response of the uh, they wanted to reach as high as seventy two thousand by the end of twenty twenty three yeah mm-hmm. and then they say uh I've got to take my glasses off they say the uh The small increase, it did not surpass 100,000 until 2008. That is the children of record, and so that is going up too. So that says, look, now there are more young single adults serving full-time missions, and therefore President Nelson has called for those youth to go on missions. And so they're very excited about this. They're making big hay in the print of the news that, hey, look, we really are magnifying the church.
0: Yeah, um, and this analysis of it, which was released from LDSChurchGrowth.blogspot.com, it talked about how, yes, the number of missionaries has been rising over the last couple of years, but historically speaking, research found that uh, LDS missionaries who went, uh, served missions in the 1940s, uh, approximately uh, in the 1940s, only 5% of young men served missions. And uh, that increased to 20 percent in the 1940s. It increased to 30 percent in the early 60s. And between the 60s and the 80s, it it went up to almost 35 percent. And in 1981, it was really around 32 percent. And that's really where it peaked in the 90s was about a third of people going on missions.
1: And and I was in that highest statistic rate. I went from 1979 to 1981
0: to Missouri, St. Louis. But what's it? Yeah, what's interesting in this article, though, is even if the projections of this year of it getting to 72,000, that would still only bring the rate of uh, young persons in the church to 25 percent, not even where we were back in the 80s and definitely not where we are in the 90s. Even the surge that they're talking about here, it's still we're still nowhere near where we were, where we once were. Well, that's
1: pretty skeptical. However, why are they crowing then? What's going on? What, how do we, how do, this is, a, they're, this is an image thing, don't you think? They're trying to portray, now, now, may I also give another quick impression, then we can move on to another story, but this graphic here is really important because yeah. we're, we're seeing here that we just barely topped the 70,000 mark again, most recently, oh, there we go, there we go, thank you, yeah, from 2019, 2020 went way, down, and of course, we're talking COVID, but of course, 2021, 2022, so from COVID, no one attending church, et cetera, up to now, the surge has been absolutely magnificent, but we just barely caught where we were before, but notice what the implicit assumption here is that I find so remarkably interesting. In the process of doing my biblical research and scholarship, I discovered a startling fact. Number one, we know Joseph Smith, as well as several church leaders, in fact, if not all of them, uh, indicated that the prophecy in the book of Daniel of the stone being cut out of the mountain without hands is going to roll forth, and it's going to gather steam and get bigger and bigger and bigger, which stones don't do when they run down mountains and fill the whole earth. And so this prophecy, this image is the one that the church has used as a basis of showing, look, world, check us out. We are actually fulfilling biblical prophecy. And they do utilize that Daniel prophecy in biblical scholarship. Daniel is a Fake. It's not scripture. Now I'm using the word deliberately. Yes, I, I'm being provocative. It's called pseudepigrapha, to use a technical scholarly term. It's a book written not by the proposed author. Dennis, much later. Much later. Much later. We're talking That's centuries true. later. So to utilize a pseudepigrapha to base a prophecy on the image of church growth. We're growing, we're filling in the mountain and all, we must be the true church because we are fulfilling biblical prophecy is asinine. And yet that's what we see. So perhaps, my speculation, the reason they're trying to make hay out of this news, whoa, look at all these, this vast response, this great response of all these fantastic testimony-built youth are really magnifying their priesthood calling. They're working with the Spirit of the Holy Ghost to spread forth the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the whole four quarters of the earth. Look at this significant surge and it's only 1,000 extra kids. <laughs> well, on. the four. Pretty quarters optimistic.
0: The earth, yeah, the four <laughs> quarters of the earth minus China, minus India, minus Russia, and minus uh, um, about half of the world's population.
1: Uh, okay, okay. Two out of four is 50%. You know, that's <laughs> credit.
0: <laughs> that is true. So, yeah,
1: so, yeah my, my impression here is uh, again, and, and this is part of my. Uh, My personal uh, beef is this whole uh, image making apparatus manipulating of data, as we all know, thanks to the SEC material stuff that we've all blogged about now for the last year. Uh, But this whole image uh, making thing just we're in social media territory here. We are truly in worldwide communication at an instance at our fingertips. I can be talking to dear friends. I have from all over the world just right now. You can't just keep doing the same old strategy of making up stuff and producing a very fine image because we can all such as you and I have done this week, check into it to see what is the reality, and it never matches, unfortunately, what they're saying.
0: Well, it just reminds me of that quote from uh, that was attributed to Mark Twain. There are three kinds of lies, lies, damned lies, and statistics. So if you start the growth right at the beginning of COVID in 2019, and then take it to uh, 2023, you do see a bit of a surge. But if you see the full picture of it back before, it's uh, definitely nothing to uh, uh, brag home about. And with the article from ldsgrowthspot.com, if you go back to the 60s to the 80s, we even had a higher percentage of people on missions and in the 90s. So far from a celebratory victory lap, I think that um, uh, we're definitely far away from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, for yeah. our for our listeners out there, we drop our uh, our episodes onto Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Let us know your thoughts on this particular uh, statistics. We'd be very grateful for that. Now, our next article here, you also found this, uh, Carrie. The GOP has a glaring Mormon problem. Um, it's got Mitt Romney on the front. This was published by David Byler on uh, June third, twenty twenty three. And um, what what what's the problem here, Carrie?
1: Uh the problem is the GOP has a glaring Mormon problem. <laughs> yeah. Mormonism is the oil and the gop has become water, and they're realizing uh this ain't happening. This doesn't work anymore. That there's there's too much uh I I didn't get this article read as closely as I wanted to. They are the Republicans are ending up on the short end of the stick. Right. And the more racially diverse, better educated, and less religious in the long term growth, it appears to be that more Mormons are now shifting to the liberal left. Yeah, if I can use are. a quote. Yeah. yeah and so I mean, so the Republicans are trying to figure out oh, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Um this, as small as they are, as far as world population, Mormons—what can I say realistically? Within the last 40 years, have become really part and parcel of the GOP. Who was it, wasn't well, David O. McKay? But one of them, uh, one of the general authorities in my teenage years, anyway, has said, "You can't even be a good Mormon if you're a Democrat."
0: Yeah, I've heard uh, that quote. I can't remember who said it, though. I, I
1: can't either. Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up, but I'm, yeah, I'm sharing I mean, gossip. This,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, this article says that Republicans often find themselves on the losing end of demographic shifts in the United States as it grows more racially diverse, better educated, and less religious. Only one long-term trend, the rapid growth of the reliably conservative Mormon Church, has consistently provided the GOP with good news. And that's what we're seeing here in this article is, um, you know, the GOP, the people in the GOP who are identifying themselves as Mormons. Well, Mormonism is declining. The percent of the U.S. adults who identify as Mormon back in 2008, it was almost two percent. Now it's uh, about one percent. So about we've seen just in the last 14 years, a 50 percent reduction of uh, people in the United States who are identifying themselves as Mormon. We're talking about adults. This is basically the equivalent of one million people. I was was going to
1: ask you that. Isn't that equivalent of about a million? Now, that, that puts a significant dent in the GOP also because as we have left the church, the million, we don't retain the church, doctrine, beliefs, actions, and hopes. They ask, where will you go? Our response is, anywhere else is fine. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but seriously. Uh, and so what happens for me, I'm going to use myself as an example. Not as the base to judge it all from, but from my personal example, Uh, as I, well, I went atheist. Now, I had never read any atheist work, so I began reading The atheist, and it positively blew me out of the water what I was learning. And I realized what the atheists did is effectively force me to confront my own assumptions of what I thought and what I believed, and what is that based on. And when you look at it that way, you you come to recognize, now that the history is coming out finally, thank you, Dan Vogel, with his early Mormon documents, five books. He shamed BYU and the church into finally doing the Joseph Smith Papers Project. Congratulations to the church, by the way. They just finished the last book this Week I believe is the or or last, last week. Last week that, we covered that last, last week. Last okay, but congratulations. But because of that, we now know Joseph Smith was heavily involved, if in nothing else, treasure digging, and that's the basis of the Book of Mormon. So the translation issue on the Book of Mormon goes out the window. Big question marks. The Book of Abraham becomes, and so you see what what this article is saying is. Losing Mormons out of the church automatically affects how you will look at how you think about politics, because the, and I hate to get political here, I know people hate it when I do this, but the basis of the two are kind of better aligned, I'll put it that way, I'm going to be careful, they're better aligned than if you're a Mormon and a Democrat.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Republicans really used to be able to count on a strong LDS contingent, but with uh, Trump's lack of appeal to LDS faithful and a shrinking affiliation, that definitely spells trouble for the GOP because the Mormons used to be a big stronghold. And as our yeah. article brings up the the Mormon Church membership, uh, not only are people disaffiliating with uh, with the there church, we are. the people who were members of the church are disaffiliating themselves at an extremely high rate in just 14 years, almost a 50 percent disaffiliation group. Well, it's the the m- amount of convert baptisms has also consistently decreased from 1986. From the 80s, we were seeing growth in um in between two and two and a half percent, and just during COVID in 2020, the growth we almost had our first negative growth year. in a a century so if you have
1: very close
0: if you have disaffiliation at a very high rate and you have a lack of growth rate this is you know the gop is really they're losing they're losing latinos they're losing mormons they're losing a lot of their big tent platform and that's going to make it hard for them to mount national campaigns
1: yeah yeah it's fascinating how because we've tried to intertwine religion and politics, which our founding father said, do not do if you can at all help it, Uh, because we've done that, now if one side starts going down, it has to affect the other side, and we we might be seeing some really radical changes in the next decade, huh? in our country that yeah. this might be fascinating to live through i just hope it doesn't lead to the apocalypse i have prayed to the lord to make sure i'm gone before he comes back so that i don't have to live through the apocalypse so you know it's one of those things <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know i think if you've gone back to early mormon leaders they would look at this particular graph as the apocalypse because in the 1940s right. so the blue this is how mormons affiliate themselves politically in the 1940s the blue is democrat the red is republican so you can see back in the 1940s 80% of mormons were republicans there it, you every go yeah. every single decade what what are we seeing every single decade consistently with mormon affiliation politically
1: less unless 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 democrat uh, yeah,
0: That's l- fast. less republican less republican. Or, or
1: Repub- republican i meant i meant republican yeah
0: yeah, I mean, so yeah. it's been cut in yeah. half from in the last century, it's gone from 81% Republican to 47, it's been cut in half. Not and the, Dem- the Democrat uh, affiliation went from 9% It's quadrupled. So Republican affiliation has been cut in half. Yeah. Democrat affiliation has been quadrupled. And that is an extreme problem. See, the problem, I mean, having getting getting another Mitt Romney now would be almost impossible, because he wouldn't yeah. be able to carry the um, the, 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 the GOP in general. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a big problem for the GOP in general is the lack of Mormon support, the lack of diversity, and these things are only going to be exacerbated in the future. Any last thoughts on this article, Kerry? Uh,
1: not necessarily. Uh, the rise of the nuns, those who just don't associate with any religion. You know, it may, we're making it sound, the article, I should say, is making it sound like it's all the Mormons' fault and all, but all of the religions are losing membership to a rising group called the nuns, where they don't have any religious affiliation, and I suspect that those nuns, feeling liberated, no, whether we're liberated or not, doesn't matter, feeling liberated, they become more open to their new ideas rather than just what does their church tell them to think, believe, hope for, pray with, and all that jazz, and so across the religious board the demographic of rising non-believers in a specific organized affiliated religion shifts over to the democratic end the democrats as a general rule i know there's always exceptions i get it but and and so the two religions we're talking about tonight dude Religion, the two subjects, religion and politics, we're not supposed to talk about, and here we are, <laughs> mixing them, so we're both probably getting yelled at. But I mean, this is this is a news story that we did not write. We're just reporting, so don't shoot the messenger. But
0: yeah, re- religion and politics, and the other thing you're never supposed to discuss is chess. That much we know is for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, this is the chart here. The last last from this article here.
1: It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah.
0: It's not just Latter Day Saints who are leaving their religions in a rapid manner. Protestants are leaving their religions. Catholics are leaving their religions. As you said, the rise of religious nuns back in 1972 people who had no affiliation with the religion that only represented 5% of people 50 years ago that is now 30% so we're seeing a sixfold increase in those now,
1: now listen now listen here's the significance of this if if you if your audience doesn't think well yeah that's nice but that that really doesn't pertain to me this is within my lifetime 5% of nuns to 30 Percent in my lifetime, there is no way even a prophet of the Mormon Church could have prophesied this huge. Now that is a big surge, folks. We gave you an example yeah. of what a surge is yeah. not. That's this right. is a big surge.
0: So yeah. uh, well, very interesting. It- You know, and the church is hoping for more surges as well. And this is an interesting article that I saw this week. This is the first of its kind, Carrie. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints invites Utah young single adults to a unique summer conference. So they're going to try to do kind of like a freedom festival in Cougar Stadium, but this time for young single adults. They're going to try to surge the young single adults down there. This is something that has never been tried before. It, um, for the first time ever, all young single adult members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints living in Utah are invited to the same conference. They're going to be able to pack it in there. Uh, it's going to feature oh, concerts, wow. singers, dancers. There's going to be a run, a gather together, a devotional at the Marriott Center. It's going to be a big activity here. It's called Together in Christ. You oh. know, we, we've never seen anything like this before. What do you think, what is the rationale behind putting this uh, type of event on? What do you think?
1: Okay, now, when they say young adults. uh, Young single adults. Young single adults. 18
0: to 30, you know. 18 18 to to 30, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that demographic. Okay, so they They obviously don't fit in, and so it has to be awkward, because this church emphasizes one thing after you become a return missionary: go get married and have kids. and so the the single adult is the anomaly, and it is uncomfortable. Now the reason I can say that is because I went through a divorce. Four and a half years into my marriage, had a temple marriage, the whole thing went through a divorce, and of course the church leaders really tried to persuade me to get involved with these single young adults, and I, uh, no, not happening. And yet I really couldn't technically go to church either. So my suspicion is group cohesion. Uh, and in such a place, look, there is a group psychology that the cheap pop Mormon psychology culture does tap into periodically. Instead of just guilting and shaming, they can also say, you know, it can generate its own momentum if you put that stadium will hold 80,000 people. More than you the put,
0: conference center. More than the you
1: conference put 80,000 people in that? I'm telling you, you put a little bit of music in there that maybe some of these kids can recognize instead of just a hymn and the Tabernacle Choir, and you've got some rock and roll going, that can generate its own electricity. My suspicion is there... Well, let me me put it as a question to you. Is there any way that they can uh, give this odd subgroup within Mormonism any way to feel like it's a welcome group within the church other than trying something. It seems like a Hail Mary pass. <laughs> Get yeah. the analogy. Hail Mary, yeah. BYU, Definitely. yeah, man and all that.
0: Well, it, it kind of reminds me of the church has kind of taken a page out of like the uh, Protestant revivals, a mega revival. Bring everybody in in a huge environment, lots of music, lots of activities, kind of a refreshing of the faith, because we know that the young single adults are struggling in the church. We saw the demographics that we just showed. And I think the church is, see, I think President Nelson is a person who likes to experiment, who likes to try new things and is not afraid to upset the apple cart. And I think that um, he's given carte blanche to the area presidencies to say, you know what, let's see what we can do to stem the tide. And if this sort of thing works, then I think we'll see it in the future.
1: Interesting point. I, I, I can't find anything with that to argue about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I suspect that could very well could be the case. He's got to come up with something, uh, for lack of a better word, that seems to be more progressive than bearing his testimony and his still small voice at General Conference and putting all this group to sleep. This won't put him to sleep. This will wake him up and rouse him and get him going.
0: Yeah, and this isn't the only thing that the church is doing for the first time this summer. Um I saw this that came out on the the churchnews.com as well. Uh dot uh thechurchnews.com. This was on May 25th, June 20 uh excuse me, June 25th, 2023. Children feel uh, joy and the spirit in day camps modeled after FSY. So for the first time ever here Kerry. What's,
1: FS, what's FSY? What's
0: FSY? They used to call that EFY. You know, um that the, the EFY and FSY, those are um those are summer programs for children to go to like on track or other things where they have a lot of gospel related activities. They were generally reserved for people from the ages of 12 to 18. The church has never run any type of bible camps before for kids. I mean, when I talk about kids, I'm talking about Bible children. camp. Yeah, that's you, what mean, is- you
1: mean Book of Mormon camp?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> well, okay. Call it what you want. Most Christian. Most is this Christians, a Bible camp? Yes. This is absolutely. This is a Bible. This is basically a, an LDS version of a Bible camp.
1: Oh they, wow!
0: They're calling it Primary Day Camp, and it's modeled after the FSY camp here. But basically, you get together, you have lots of fun activities here, um, just like mm-hmm. Protestant churches. The church has really taken a page out of. You know these Protestant churches of having a day camp where you drop your kids off. They get lots of religious instruction. They have a good time. They have a bunch of activities. They um, it's at the church, and then you pick them back up at the end of the day. And you know the, the church has never. I've never seen anything like this before because the church has never done the Bible camps. Most other churches do Bible camps every single summer. It's a tradition. The church has never done that before. So we're seeing two things that the church has never done before. Having a young single adult conference in the in the in Provo, in the conference center, in the Marriott Center, in a manner that we've never seen, and Bible camps. They're trying lots of different things here just this That's week that we've never seen before. I mean, why are we seeing lots of new things and we've never seen them before? What do you think?
1: Because we're sick and tired of trying to be a peculiar people. We want to finally fit in. So our stuff doesn't work. Let's copy the apostates, churches. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, you know, those apostate <laughs> churches, there's a lot of things going. They have better, uh, honestly, a lot of them have better retention, you know?
1: Oh, so that's take, interesting. Yeah. 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 Know, uh,
0: they, they have better yeah. retention and, and, um, you know, people love these Bible camps. You know, my wife, I uh, grew up, um, you know, going, attending these Bible camps and you know, she has lots of great memories of going to them. And I think that the church is trying new things. and are going to see what they can well,
1: do. Oh, okay. Hey, that brings up a, an idea. If I can just throw this out here for us to mull over, uh, do we think, perhaps, maybe because the Boy Scouts of America has kind of, mm, and yeah. the church has distanced itself, that they have to say, well, uh, we have to have something. Uh, maybe that's part of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the Boy Scouts is that the Boy Scouts is really for ages 12 to 18, even though the Boy Scouts could have the Oh, they're later.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're later, aren't they? Yeah. The These are the really old. ultra youth.
0: Yes, these the are young these kids. Are, these are primary age, primary activity age children. So wow. we'll have to see. These are a couple of. Was awesome, well, a couple of pilot programs. We'll see what happens with them. I wonder if we'll see them again. I just found that to be remarkable because I haven't seen that before. Now, our next. Yeah. Article, yeah. yeah. Our next article here. This uh, came out from the Widows Might report here. And uh, this was tweeted out here just on July 2nd. And the. Um, the, the Sydney Morning Herald back in April of 2022, thanks to Simon Southerton and others, um, broke a huge story there. And the Sydney Morning Herald is like basically the New York Times for Australia. It's the most respectable paper in Australia. They they had a huge expose that the LDS Church is accused of multinational tax reward. And, and they were involved in significant alleged um, illegalities to collect hundreds of millions of dollars and avoid paying taxes. We covered that last year. So what's it doing in this week's news report? Well, according to the Widows Might report, Carrie, this is very interesting. New filings show. And remember, in Australia, the filings are public filings. There's a number of countries in which the church has to be fully transparent. Australia, Canada, the Netherlands, the UK, some of these countries say that you have to lay your Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. I didn't hear you say the United States. No,
0: not not the United (laughs) States, no. Drats. (laughs) <laughs> so what the Widow's Might Report has uncovered here is that um, new LDS Charities Australia filings um, show a 79 percent decline in church humanitarian donations made out in 2022. So this is what this is very, very interesting. So as soon as the Sydney Morning Herald broke the story that says that the church is alleging that the church is illegally funding funneling money from Salt Lake. Through LDS Charities Australia back to Salt Lake to take advantage of not only Utah tax incentives to go to Australia, but then Australian tax incentives to go back to Utah. As soon as that story broke, according to the Widow's Might Report, who reviewed the, um, it reviewed the uh, public disclosures. Mm-hmm. The church stopped that immediately, and LDS uh, Charities Australia hasn't done anything of the sort
1: since. You mean to tell me? You think... They might be trying to hide something. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough, I, I mean that is standard four for these yeah. guys, isn't it? Yeah. But but you said hundreds of millions. This article is talking. Hundred, let, let's take a let let's slow down for just a quick second. And say, look, th- this isn't th- hundreds of millions of dollars. They have been funneling out of Australia back into Utah. From first from this is what
0: the Sydney Morning Herald said. First, it was funneled into LDS Charities Australia so that it could get the tax loops from Utah and the tax breaks from the U.S. government. Then it was funneled back out of Australia back to church headquarters so it could double dip. That, and then, oh yes, yeah, tax free. Yeah, wow. so they could be tax free on both areas. And so that's people who are questioning the sum in Australia saying, how could there be a hundred million dollars of donations? There's only like, I think there's like 70,000 Mormons in Australia. How could they put up a hundred million dollars? It doesn't make any sense. All well, we
1: moved all the rich Mormons over in Australia's <laughs> retirement. Come on, it's simple.
0: <laughs> it's possible, but it doesn't seem likely now that LDS Charities Australia has basically ceased doing what they were alleged to be illegally doing right at the same time that this article hit. I find that to be very remarkable.
1: Fascinating, yeah. Uh, Could be coincidence. I have a tendency to think Bayes' theorem might refute that, but, you know, that's just me.
0: Yeah, it could be. (laughs) And remember, uh, Carrie, in Australia... In Australia, to be a tax-exempt organization, just because you're a church does not mean you're a tax-exempt organization, because Australia is a very secular society. They understand that churches, a lot of times of the money, if you have a small church, it just goes into the pastor's car, into the pastor's house. It doesn't do anything really of service for the poor, the needy, and anything else. It's not really doing very much good. So just because you're a church doesn't mean you're a tax-exempt organization, so to receive the tax-exempt status in Australia... The church formed LDS Charities Australia. And instead of paying your money to the church in Australia, if you're an Australian saint, you pay it to LDS Charities Australia, which is the tax-exempt organization which the church funneled the money in that they were supposed to be doing the humanitarian good to.
1: So Australia sees no use for all that money. They brought it back into Utah tax-free.
0: Right. They brought it – and they weren't – that's the whole allegations. They weren't spending it in Australia either in order to – Right. In order to get your tax-exempt status, you have to show that, hey, we're doing good with all of this money. And guess what? We know that the church is not doing very much in Australia. There's no soup kitchens. There's no orphanages. There's no battered homes. There's no rape shelters, anything like that. Well, no, so that sounds is-
1: like Salt Lake City.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Which is so sad. I shouldn't laugh. But, wow. Now we'll get to that. Boy.
0: Yeah, we are going to get to that. Now, I've got a couple more articles here. Uh, our next article, this is another uh, very odd article here. Uh, yes, this, boy. Uh, the LDS Church gives a generous and substantial donation to the Catholic Seminary Sports Facility located in the Philippines. And for our podcast listeners, Kerry, what are we what are we seeing <laughs> with this picture here, Kerry?
1: It's a pass. The General Authority is handing, is that a basketball or a volleyball, to uh, the... To the cardinal, to the, to the Catholic leader.
0: I think it's a volleyball here. This is your generous and substantial donation, is giving a volleyball?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, well, people, come on. Some of those leather balls can cost up to 100 bucks. So, um, you know, people,
0: yeah. people are wondering, what does the church do with all their money? And I guess the joke is here, the church is giving money to help seminarians play pickleball. Am I, am I, getting, am I getting that right?
1: Well, or 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 else uh, the church is giving money over to another mega-billion-dollar organization in order to make sure that that organization has enough resources that its own youth can continue playing sports in the Philippines. Have I right. got that right?
0: One mega-billion church helping another mega-billion church get in
1: shape, right? That is the most asinine thing I have ever seen.
0: Yeah, so this is from the church's official page here the, on their Facebook page. I, I did a screenshot here. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Philippines. They graciously provided the, the Mormon Church graciously provided <laughs> a generous and substantial contribution. Okay, of uh, uh, I you know the rumor has it that they got that volleyball net straight from the Di. By the way,
1: you know? <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, uh, <laughs> we, we now know that's true. <laughs> That's a Um, GI volleyball net, folks. But, I mean, you know, Elder Oaks says for the last decade or so, we have given $40 million to charity. Now, 15 years ago, before we learned about this whole SEC fiasco, $40 million is one walloping much more dollop of money than I can personally give. So that's impressive. But when you compare it to now its substantial wealth, 40 million doesn't even net a word of thanks hardly compared to what they could be doing and now we find them one billionaire giving unto another billionaire that that's astonishing and and historically Everyone who knows Bruce R. McConkie in the early edition of Mormon Doctrine, that's why it goes for so dang much money because he did say everybody knows that the church of the devil is the Catholic church. It is the whore of the earth. We are talking enemies, black, white. We are talking left, right. We are talking yin, yang. They they don't mesh in McConkie's era. And now we find us giving to them
0: fascinating yeah i mean just the 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 visual element here when you have a 200 billion dollars in enzyme peak and you're handing over a volleyball to not to the poor you're handing it over to seminarians people who are attending seminary to begin with i mean it's great to help people keep in shape you know that that's that's better than not giving anything away i just find this to be a very the, the 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 you know the, the 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 eye the eye test of this it just doesn't pass the eye test it's just I don't know there's something wrong with the PR here. Yeah 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 um yeah. If you look in the comments section on Reddit, I, this is the one here, Carrie, that uh, really got me. It says "Child molesters of the world unite!" is ouch. Oh. <laughs> ouch.
1: Oh.
0: Ouch. Wow. I didn't write that. I didn't write that. Um, I think I'm going to cut. Do you want to do the uh, we're at the point that I said we needed to think whether we're going to do the temple analysis of the accessibility of the temples? Are we going to cover that or not? What do you think?
1: I, I, OK, because of this, uh, because of this really asinine PR move, an article, I think we ought to Okay. because, because it kind of dovetails here, don't you think?
0: That's fine. Now, our next article here, uh, by the way, Carrie, is um, that there's somebody did an analysis here. This is on Zef- uh, Zellephahad's Daughters. Am I saying that right? Zellephahad's Daughters? Uh,
1: Zelephahad's daughter.
0: Zellephahad's Daughters. Thank you very much. So um, they did an analysis. This is a fascinating analysis of church temple accessibility. And it said, let us go up to the house, excuse me, crossed out mansion of the Lord. <laughs> And what they noticed in this, in this particular article here, what's interesting about this particular article is they, they figured out, they did an analysis of, can you walk to your local temple? Can you take mass transportation to your local temple? And what they found is most temples are not built in city centers. They're often located outside of the city centers in the most affluent suburb close to the city center. So instead of building a temple in Tucson, the church has built one in Catalina Foothills. Instead of Indianapolis, it's in Carmel. Instead of Detroit, it's in Bloomington Hills. Instead of Oakland, it's uh, you know in the wealthy neighborhood in Oakland. And instead of Washington, D.C., it's in Kensington, Maryland. So instead of making the temples accessible to the common man, To the poor people with a low socioeconomic status who don't own a car, who have to rely on mass transportation and can't commute for long distances, they're always located usually in the wealthiest neighborhoods outside of the city centers. And that's a concept that, you know what, I never really thought about that until I read this article.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And yet, is that? the best the church can do. So it appears to me because of this, as well as that previous article, that now Jesus is not kicking the money changers out of the temple. He is bringing them into the temple. He's catering to the rich. And the only reason I say that is because when you take the Mormon leaders a uh, bottom line basis of truth and reality, what would Jesus do? Uh, nothing fits with the previous story or this one.
0: Yeah, uh, and they did an analysis here of can you reach your temple on foot? Can you reach it with no public transportation? Can you reach it with uh, the percent of the temples with no public transportation? It turns out that like 40% of temples if you don't own a car, you can't go to that temple. And in, in, in fact, in the poor, a lot of the poorer areas of the world, the, the lowest socioeconomic status, Latin America in particular and Africa, the high percentage of temples in those areas have no public transportation option. They're making them very difficult to be able to go to a temple. And that's uh, that's puzzling because we've seen such a push on temples. And, I mean, the whole idea is we want to make the temples go to the world. We want everyone to be able to go to a temple. Well, as long as you have money, as long as you have a car, as long as you have a ride, as long as you have resources like gas and things like that, then sure. But if you're if you're poor, if you just take mass transportation, it's very, very challenging to get to these temples. So I, I thought they were supposed to be for everyone.
1: Yeah, very interesting point. I, 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 I have not seen this type of, you know, stuff like this had not even entered my mind, of course, then I haven't. I've been worrying about home teaching and all that noise now for several decades, but this should make Mormons sit up and say, why You, you need to begin to ask that difficult question, which of course the church will try to dissuade you from or discourage you from, but we need to take heart and begin to ask that question. Why? You know what? Dude, uh they just finished the Pocatello, Idaho Temple. And you know where it's at? <laughs> now, now I know Pocatello no, I know. doesn't have public transportation, but Pocatello is on a hillside that stretches for miles Uh, all the way around in the horseshoe part of the valley that butts up to the hills and there's a pass through it that then you go on down to Logan, Utah. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of being in the town, they came eight or nine miles out of town up I-15 and then they put it way up at the base of the foothill. It's so far away, it looks about that big from the interstate i was expecting it to be like the washington dc temple park it right on the interstate turn the lights on that baby and let it glow all night it is so far away you can't hardly see now that's fascinating why would they pick that little case everybody has to drive like crazy to get there even with your public transportation, it's a little bit of a drive. It, sure, it's better than coming to Idaho Falls. I get that. But still, that, that is a most interesting point.
0: Yeah, and it just I guess it just shows my privilege because I generally have had access to cars, and I generally have had access it to is. these things. And it never really dawned on me that the church's plan of flooding the earth with the temples, well, they're, you're not really flooding them where the people are. You're making the people come to you. And especially those those people who are of low socioeconomic status it's a real challenge for them i mean just take for instance this bountiful temple the bountiful temple is not at the the city of bountiful is is here in the center of the valley it's way up on the mountains once again in the most exclusive neighborhoods surrounding it that is the typical modus operandi that the church is in and that does sure. take us to our featured news article here of the week and this was of uh, the church's response here carrie to what the Wall Street Journal would have learned about temples from a Latter-day Saint like me. So this was an editorial. See, we had the Wall Street Journal article. Oh, I love week.
1: these. I love these. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yep. We covered we covered Carrie last week, the Wall Street Journal article very thoroughly. It was one of our best episodes. So if for our listeners out there, if That's you missed true. it, go back and listen to our last episode. It was really good. So the church has done an editorial response to the Wall Street Journal, which is oftentimes what they do. When they don't, they don't have a general authority come out and say it, but they'll put it in the opinion page of the Deseret News. Right. Okay, so this is a really good article, and we're going to cover a few points out of it, read a few uh, sections of it. It says, temples are monuments, but not to wealth. Uh, they are beacons of light and peace, piercing clouds of cynicism, conflict, and despair. And, and Carrie, the, the question that I have for you, if, if temples are not monuments to wealth, then why are they so gosh darn expensive?
1: And expensive to maintain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're expensive to build. We covered last week. The Wall Street Journal. It cost sixty nine million dollars to build that uh, Pocatello, Idaho temple. That's a 69 lot of money. Sixty nine
1: million. That's a yeah. lot of dough, folks.
0: It costs money to uh, uh, to build them, to maintain them. Costs money ten percent to go to them, and then of course you have to travel to them, and a lot for a lot of people that's a big sacrifice. There's a lot of money that's involved with it. If they're not, if they're not, uh, what do they say? Monuments to wealth. Why is it so why are they so gosh darn expensive? Yeah. That's, you
1: you know- can certainly build a building for a whole hell of a lot less than 69 million and still do all the work in it. Yeah. I promise. Are- we 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 have built new buildings in the company I'm working for and we've kept it way way many, 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 many magnitudes below Pocatello's temple, 69 million. And Pocatello isn't even one of the more elaborate ones. It really is a simplified temple. So what the heck?
0: I mean, I I really think, and I didn't cover this in last week, I really think that one of the biggest reasons, first of all, we had Bishop Cause who said that his vision for the church is a grandiose vision. That's gaudy. If you look that up in the dictionary, it's gaudy and pretentious. But I really think that a lot of the reasons that the church spends so much money (laughs) Uh, that's just the definition. I'm just quoting him from last week. Nice. I think that really, it comes down to the fact because the temple experience for so many people is so very, very strange that you need to make it a beautiful, expensive, very stunning building to offset the startleness and the strangeness that a lot of people find when they walk through. If you were to have your normal endowment in a regular chapel, it would be even more, um, it would be even more bizarre. It would be even more strange.
1: All right, I will. I will say, Uncle, on that one, very excellent point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that, that, that's why the the thing that blew us away the most, really, truly, was that absolutely overwhelming chandelier in right. the celestial room and the fully mirrored walls. Right. Look, that was beyond spec spectacular seeing getting the impression for the first time of seeing into eternity i had never before conceived of that idea with all those walls it was wow and so you're right that took my mind off the absolute Freakish weird thing when we all put on those funky looking hats and we started looking over at everyone. And then I went through in '79, so you had to tie that little ribbon thing, and, and you, you couldn't, of course. So the person next to you, and then he'd bump your hat off, and it, I mean, all kinds of silly shenanigans. But yeah, no, that's a, I concede that that is a very good reason, but you know, they have to downplay. Isn't it fascinating that? It is always a downplaying of the warts of history and the money of wealth.
0: Yeah, I mean, for yeah, for a lot of people, the most expensive building that they will ever step foot into is an LDS temple. Some people have never, temple? have never been in a seven seventy million dollar building before, so that's right, a very right. special place. And because sure, yeah. you feel like, well, a lot of money was spent here, then what we, the, what I'm doing in here must also be equally as special. Okay, also from the article here, Carrie, um, this was the, one of the most howling lines that I saw in this particular article here. It says, Yet even the materialists' take is wanting. Quote, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints has no paid ministry, end quote. No paid. What?
1: Now, Carrie, now, when did they write this?
0: Just this week, Carrie, just this week. Come on. <laughs>
1: Oh, is this, Sorry.
0: Is this, is this <laughs> the Mormon News Roundup Joke of the Week?
1: Yeah, that beats my joke. I'm offended.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says, wow. this, it says that there's no paid ministry. It says that the senior leaders have a stipend. They want to make a, a bizarre delineation between a stipend, which is cash going into your bank account, and a paid ministry, which is cash going right. into your bank account. Bank account, yeah. <laughs> I failed to see the difference.
1: No, well, I mean it, it's a it's a fine splitting of hairs in order to be able to make a difference, so that the lazy I hate using this word back Adam, but so that the lazy learners continue on with this image. Oh well, see the the church has no paid ministry. They're not doing they're not doing priestcraft. Now you know as well as I do, buddy, that all of us podcasters are being accused of. Falling into the apostasy of priestcraft while nobody else is getting paid on the Mormon side of podcasting and video and all that jazz because they don't ask for money and they get no money. And we know, of course, that's phony. Well, the church is still trying to pull this, sil- this silly, phony baloney. It, it doesn't work. I mean, Haven't they heard of Mormon WikiLeaks?
0: Yeah, exactly. We've had four different general authority pay stubs that were leaked. And those pay stubs had FICA taxes, they had social security taxes, they had all of the normal taxes. There's no difference between paid ministry and a stipend. It's a, re- it's, um, it's a non-starter, okay? Yeah. Now, another one, of the art- another one of the quotes here that I want to share with you, Carrie, is this one. It says, quote from the article, since nobody's using church funds for personal enrichment, what motivation could the church have for amassing such wealth? Is the church spending billions of dollars on temples in order to cheat the poor? and display its wealth? What's your reaction, Kerry?
1: Well, how many frickin' temples over 69 million dollars do they have to build way up there in the suburbs and all? And why is it they're always trying to make those the tallest buildings and the richest? Of course, then we discuss that and all. So what do you mean it's not a status of wealth? It appears to me, just off the top, They would rather make sure that the buildings are taken care of instead of people, instead of God's children. How many billions of dollars could have gone to making sure there's no homeless in the streets of Salt Lake City, but there's thousands of them?
0: Yeah, I mean, if I go back, it says no one's using the church funds for their personal enrichment. Well, Kerry, because there's no transparency, we don't know if the church leaders have or are using the uh, church funds for personal enrichment because there's no independent auditing. And because the church has in the past openly deceived the government and its members about its finances, it's difficult to trust them when they say that everything has been in, done in accordance with best accounting principles, especially considering the lack of compliance officers in Enzyme Peak when David Nielsen, uh, that we learned about from David Nielsen and the so-called deleted assets that Lars Nielsen referenced in his letter to an IRS director. So uh, I know you've made that claim. Go ahead and prove it by doing an independent audit.
1: That that, that sounds like the gauntlet's thrown on them. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: Now, Now, the second half of this question is the absolute best question that could be put in this article. It says, what motivation could the church have for amassing such wealth? Well, that's the golden question. We've heard a number of different attempts at answering that, first of all. Um, even from church leaders saying that the money has been set apart for the second coming of Jesus or that the church needs a rainy day fund or that because the church convert and children of record population in high socioeconomic status is falling, future type payers won't be able to generate the same level of donations. However, I really feel that the best answer to the question is best understood by going back to the Wall Street Journal article from last week where Bishop Kaze said, that he and other senior church leaders have a grandiose vision of the church, a vision that can only be completed by amassing what Bishop Waddell said in the sixty minutes piece is significant resources any any last thoughts on that uh, this particular quote here, Kerry?
1: Yeah, when Jesus come back mm-hmm. he he's going to kick the church leaders' butts. First, for not living his gospel and chasing after mammon, using his own name in vain.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a that, that I appreciate that sentiment. Now, here's the next section yeah. here. This is the temples are built to outlast life's vicissitudes and to welcome Christ Himself when He comes again. Um,
1: well, I, I um jesus according to the theology let's grant their theology jesus made the entire cosmos in the cosmos on the jesus scale i will call it that just came to my mind so it could have been a revelation inspiration coming you know the pure flow of intelligence joseph smith said a revelation so on the jesus scale Why does he need a small part of a speck of dust of a planet in the first place in order to come back? That just smacks of man-made doctrine to me. It's um, silly when you really think it through. It's just stupid.
0: It's a (laughs) hoax. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny that it says that temples are built to outlast a life's vicissitudes. Um, I, I want to cover that for a minute because I found this um, I found this article here from uh, This Week in Mormons, and we've covered this in times past. The Hinckley temples in particular, when they were built, there was a lot of design flaws in the Hinckley temples that were rolled out in the late 1990s through from 1997. Oh. From 1997 to 2002, the church doubled the number of temples in operation. The church went from uh, 50 temples in 1997 to about 100 temples only five years later by rolling out all of these uh, little Hinkley temples. But the problem here, Carrie, is that the Hinkley temples, they had serious design flaws. Okay, so um, this is what this article brings out here. It says that uh, uh, several temples are being refreshed, but the Hinkley temples, some of them had to be completely refurbished in less than 20 years. And some of them were stripped all the way down to the studs. After less than four years of being built, okay. So this wow. is the, yeah. These are all these Hinkley temples around the same time frame here, where they were stripped all the way down because they had mold problems, they had uh, architectural issues, built for life's vicissitudes. No, I wasted, have never
1: heard this. Yeah.
0: No, we wasted a lot of money with the Hinkley temples um, because they were poorly designed, rushed to construction by cheap contractors, and it was a complete debacle. Okay, so don't tell me that these temples are built for life's vicissitudes when we poured hundreds of billions of dollars into shoddy construction. Okay, because we know better.
1: Yeah. Okay. Amen.
0: Well put. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, there's one other uh, comment here um, that I want to read from the uh, from this uh, particular piece, and it says, "Anyone can see that temples are expensive, but the real question is, are they worth it?" And um, what's, what's your reaction to that particular quote? Oh uh, is- no, they're not
1: worth it. Are you kidding? We just saw lots of them are getting renovated. And besides, the temple does very precious little for society. Uh, it is so exclusive. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is to save all of God's children. This is what we're taught. To exalt all of God's children, but f- first got to become a Mormon or you don't get the ordinances of exaltation, second anointings, etc. Hell, 99% of the Mormons themselves don't even know about a second anointing. I'm speculating there's a third that the other 2% don't know about and only the first presidency get. Who knows? They can make up all kinds of stuff. But this is not a societal benefit, benefaction at all. They don't let Jews, who also are of the House of Israel, they gave us the Davidic king through whom the Messiah was born, but do they let them in their own Mormon temples? No. So, to what point, except to arrogate themselves further, do these temples function? Before?
0: Yeah, I mean, we did a recent episode, uh, Carrie, on the, uh, looking at the vicarious ordinances in the temples and the incredible yeah. manpower That it's
1: uh, mind boggling.
0: Yeah, something that, according, and remember, even according, I'll grant you church doctrine, but the thing is that they will be done in the millennium to begin, they'll be done in the millennium anyway. Yeah, yeah, well
1: well Hugh Nibley himself said, Oh, this is just a dry run anyway. We get so much of it wrong here. We're just kind of practicing. None of this count. He told this to his honors class. I've got the tape recording, uh, where he said it in one of his classes. Uh he said, Yeah, yeah, the temples, you know, yeah, we want you to go to it and all, but don't don't make such a big deal about it because all of this is going to have to be redone when the angels can <laughs> keep the records because we flub it up too much. And you're going, oh, okay, oh, even as an apologist I said, man, he's really taken that quite far. Um, Whoa.
0: Yeah, and, and if we're having to, you know, the, the leaked information is that up to a third of the names in our current temples are reused anyway. Okay, so sure. it's, an, it's an incredibly time-intensive endeavor that even according to church doctrine would be completed in the millennium. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Millions or even billions of people on this planet are suffering right now. And as we discussed in our... Coordination,
1: that that are suffering unnecessarily. I'm not trying to take your thunder, right. but I want to put that point on there. Suffering unnecessarily, that's the evil. Because all of us suffer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just like we discussed in our coordination call, the wealth on this planet is a zero-sum game. There's approximately... 400 trillion dollars of total wealth on this planet that is spl- spread between the 7 billion inhabitants. Okay, so every single dollar that goes into a, a te- an LDS temple is a dollar that doesn't go to vaccinating a child, providing someone with clean drinking water, providing a sick person with access to medical care, or alleviating human suffering. And those people are suffering now. And as we said, the vicarious ordinances will be done in the millennium. So it's a question of priority. And this particular article, nor the Wall Street Journal, ever discusses. This is the biggest issue for people who are not members of the church: is the level of priority. This never deals with that level of priority because there's really no apologetic that really um, that 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 I can think of that can help.
1: Yeah. I, I, how do you how do you defend this insane waste of money that because you call it. God's work, or you label it with the name Jesus, which is using his name in complete vain when his children are dying unnecessarily of some of the worst evils. Uh, babies with no sin whatsoever, according to the Book of Mormon, are starving to death in the very countries that these guys want to put temples so they're willing to put 96 million frickin' dollars in a stupid building for just a few of that country's inhabitants while those mothers desperately praying whose prayers nonstop unceasingly for years go unanswered, whose children starve to death. The church doesn't give a fly and flip about that. The problem appears to me is the focus is too much on the next life my my former home teacher well i I only have one goal brother shirts i 'm going to make it to the celestial kingdom that 's it he doesn 't even look at the trees on this earth now i'm a i 'm an artist, I love to oil paint, I love digital art, etc, and to paint the fantastic world, the amazing variety is very, very exciting. But the church doesn't want you to focus on here and now. It wants to take your mind and put it in a future so that they can say, well, your here and now wealth needs to go to the the kingdom of God, which, which is right here in Salt Lake City, Grand Central Station. Send your money here and we'll make sure you get the blessings there. That is an ultimate frickin' con job. I apologize if I offend Mormons, but think that one through for a little bit. Yeah. What if your child in the United States, in Utah, starved to death? How would that make you feel? How would you think about how the church does things? Just start working through stuff like that, and it'll it'll open your eyes. I'm yeah, just saying. I'm I, getting I, preachy. I don't mean to, but, yeah. Well, I this, this problem bugs the hell out of me, man.
0: Well, I came across this particular photo this week as well, which was a picture that was taken at the Oakland Temple just a couple of days ago uh, at the Los Angeles uh, Temple uh, gates.
1: And there it the, is. Pic,
0: the picture shows a homeless person who's, uh, you know, they put gates outside of most of the temples now. You can't even get onto the grounds, and you see a uh, an unsheltered person who appears to be uh, sleeping outside of the house of the Lord. And uh, this to me is the most striking photo because it shows where the priority is. Is the priority supposed to be in a building or is the priority supposed to be in the people who are here and now? And I I think a lot of people are questioning the church's priorities and the use of these uh, sacred funds. And this particular um, editorial, I don't think did anything whatsoever to help um, answer the, the most important questions in this particular case. A- any last thoughts on this temple here, Carrie?
1: Uh, I no, you you've covered this very very well. Yeah, I'm, you're getting my blood pressure up a little bit, so I got to calm down because people hate it when you get emotional about a subject. You're supposed to be dull and boring and dry, like they are at general conference, and I can't do that yeah. because I'm alive. What happened? What happened when I gave up worrying about getting to heaven? Did I lose my zest for life? Are you kidding me? I found the zest for life. Heaven can wait, folks. We're here right now. We're here. It is just. It is moral to care for your family here and, by extension, others love the lord your god with all your heart love your neighbor as yourself the first and great commandment is not obedience now i am getting preachy i apologize that's not this program but the first and great commandment is not obedience that's bullshit the first and great commandment is love love and love again god your neighbor and your third you're not first, you're third. So that's all the preaching I'm going to do. But really, the the focus is way out of kilter, and these articles show that. So yeah, um, uh, thanks for-, for letting me have my
0: soapbox. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> uh, you know, for our for, we're on Instagram. We're on Mormon News Roundup. Come on over our Instagram page. Let us know your thoughts on what you think about the use of LDS temples. Is it justified? Are we uh, out in right field? Do, do we not know the facts? Uh, let us know your thoughts. We'd be very, very, very grateful Please. for that. While you're at it, leave us a thumbs up. Uh, drop us a comment. We'd be very grateful for that. Now, our last article here, Carrie. this is a bit of a bombshell that I came across this week, and I'm kind of breaking a little bit of news. I'm I'm mostly a C-list podcast editorial commentator, and I rarely make any news, and I'm not an investigative journalist of any sort. But I came across this, Carrie, and it really caught my eye here. And this was a law firm here called Seeker Wise, L-L-P. And I, I believe that they're based out on the uh, West Coast here. And uh, the, I, I came across this class action lawsuit here that says Church Ooh. of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints financial investigation. Have you donated to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, believing that your donation would be used for charitable work? If so. Of If so, then please contact us for a free consultation. And this page has gotten on Facebook uh, 13,000 likes. And uh, Carrie, I just went ahead and did it. I wanted to see if this was a hoax. I had no idea. I was like, you know, is this a hoax? Is this this real or is this people trolling me? I I didn't know. So I went ahead and I contacted the law firm. And uh, I submitted the information, and this is what they sent back to me. I know this is a little small here, but it says, uh, Good afternoon. Thank you for your inquiry regarding a potential Church of Jesus Christ financial investigation claim. We need to gather additional information from you to evaluate whether or not you may have a viable claim. Accordingly, we request that you contact our office at your earliest convenience. We can be reached toll-free at one 541 Three two seven three. Thank you for considering our firm. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you, Ms. Thomas, intake specialist at Seeker Wise. So, you know, Carrie, uh, well, first of all, before I tell you what else happened, what's your initial thoughts?
1: I, I am so leery of scams, uh, but they they didn't ask you for any personal information. What they did is they left your phone number, so I personally would call the phone number but I'm not going to give any personal information out just yet and I am I am not abashed at all in telling people that I I say oh no no you don't get anything from me until I find out whether you're legit or not do you have other ways to show me you're legit once they can establish that then it's game on but I I am always extra Paranoid and precautious because both of my parents were taken in by scams, of course, both times from LDS people. And so, yeah, that's my that's my initial reaction.
0: So. Well, I'm very sorry to hear about your parents. And that seems like very sound yeah. advice. Um, what, what's the saying? Fools rush in where angels wait, fear to tread. What? I went ahead. I went ahead and called them. And they that did. A- I would have, yeah. Yeah. I went ahead and called them. I mean, because I've made many, sure. many donations to the church, and I just wanted to see what it was all about. Did a full intake. They asked me how much tithing I had paid lifetime, if I could prove it, how much was my last donation. They asked me a lot of questions to see if I was eligible to join the class action lawsuit, because it is based off of the idea of the SEC fine and the church not being, um, not telling people about the donations and the misrepresentation and all that stuff. At right. the end of it, they said that they're still in the gathering process. So uh, maybe in the future, I'll be able to update you on that. But I don't know if you go on the website. It seems like these guys specialize in huge tort claims against different uh, big, big time corporations. So yeah. I don't know. I'm I, i, I I'm not saying it's legitimate. Uh, all yeah. I can say is I, I will re- come back. I will return a report and let you know. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That yeah. would be fantastically interesting. Now, we um, in the process of investigating all the. Uh, sec fiasco and stuff uh and talking to various people on the telephone and trying to get my information straight and accurate etc we we all kind of heard and understood and realized that things like this were in the works and so this might be one of those things so the interesting thing is they keep coming back at you with this same name uh that's a hint that Perhaps they might be for real. And, and yeah, of course, they're going to have to ask you some personal information. Do you have proof? Because if it really is a legitimate class action lawsuit, they have to know how much you're going to try to get your money back. My personal opinion is um, I don't. The first several of these incidences, in my opinion, will fail. To get any money for anyone. And the reason why is. Look who you're going up against. If you think a 200 billion dollar organization. Can't afford and doesn't pay. Their lawyers really. Gosh. Damn. Well. uh, You're not in the game to do a class action lawsuit. You got to be real careful. Because this is not David and Goliath. This is David against the Hulk. Uh, it, it you know <laughs> <laughs> so that's just my personal opinion. Um, yeah.
0: I, yeah. I have very very low expectations.
1: Right, that. of course, yeah. But it's interesting that you checked into it, and so far the response from them from my end is actually encouraging it seems to me to be realistic so i mean you're out nothing so yeah that's interesting we know things like this are going to happen again and again and again now it it does take you know when they took over when they finally defeated constantinople in the 1500s it was not with the first boulder thrown against those 27 foot thick stone walls they had thrown thousands of them before they broke through and it took them well over several centuries so there is that so that's my analogy to all this so
0: yeah well i'd rather have it be like david and jericho you just blow the trumpet and and the walls fall right down that would be wonderful we need
1: to find that shofar though we need to find that ram's horn that vibrated the walls apart yeah, absolutely.
0: Hey, uh, Carrie, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the Mormon News Roundup. I really appreciate you being here. So, so sorry that you lost your chess match, by the way.
1: I, I am too, but it's okay. Revenge is sweet, saith the <laughs>
0: professor. <laughs> we'll see.
1: We shall yeah, see. We'll, we'll have some more fun. This yeah, is so- awesome.
0: For our listeners out there, we do have a Patreon site if you want to support us and make a donation. We do have a site out there. Um, it's linked into the show notes. And uh, we, leave our, we drop our episodes live every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I want to uh, have a shout-out to Weird Animal for this episode's music. And, Carrie, thanks so much for ruminating with me on The Great and Spacious Beehive. And our, uh, we always go out with the same saying, remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. So long.
1: Amen, brother. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major Major victory victory for Satan. 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 Hey there brothers and sisters thanks for listening to the mormon news roundup and if you are enjoying this show please consider making a donation patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here so thanks so much to everyone for, for supporting us on patreon.com